And so some may question why, you know, why would we want to observe the resurrection of the Messiah now rather than when all the other people who believe in Yeshua are doing it. And I'm not going to get into a big argument about whose calendar is correct. Uh, I'll leave that to uh, more uh, learned minds. But I want to state at the outset that there is no way that I can find meaning in the resurrection apart from Pesach. That, it's, that is its appropriate context, and any other context will make no sense. And so I want to talk about that in terms of the three readings that we, had, we just heard today, one from uh, Exodus, the second from Joshua, and the third from the book of Revelation. And just to show you that great minds think alike, my son's illustration of the fact that we are on a spiral is precisely what I want to talk to you about. Three Passovers, but at different points in the spiral as we head our way up. So in the first one, we see that we are being given the command to celebrate the first Passover meal. The children of Israel have uh, prepared themselves to leave in the morning after a tremendous display of the power of God that we're going to commemorate a little bit later on in our dinner. All those great and powerful plagues and so on. And one can only imagine what everyone was feeling at that moment as the lands lay in darkness and a final plague was about to hit the land. And so we were told, you have to paint your door with the blood of a lamb. You must take that lamb, slay it in the uh, doorway of your house. Let, it, let the blood fall in a basin and paint the lintels and the doorposts of your house. And it's not for you so much, but for one who will come, the destroyer. And he will see that blood, and he will pass over your house and leave you unharmed. Moses told all the elders of Israel, who in turn must have told all the other people, those under their charge, to do precisely these things. And then it says this much. It says, when you enter the land which the Lord will give you, as he has promised, you shall observe this right. And when your children say to you, what does this right mean to you? You shall say, it is a Passover of sacrifice to the Lord who passed over the houses of the sons of Israel in Egypt when he smote the Egyptians and spared our homes. And it says, and the people bowed low and worshipped. That was the first one on that cycle. And there we see only the beginning of things. You know, our, our escape from Egypt, the redemption that God caused for us, was to be only a beginning of things. Every week on Shabbat, we commemorate two things most especially. We commemorate the creation of the world, 
and we create and we remember the deliverance from Egypt. But if all we ever do is remember what happened 3,000 years ago and ignore all that is happening and has happened and will happen, we are missing the point. And sometimes I think that's what's happened to our holy day. It's become just another holiday in the cycle of holidays. There are thousands upon thousands of holidays, depending on your tradition, and we just do them and do them and do them until they're stripped of all meaning. Oh, it's okay. You know, I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm not a matzah fan, you know. So, I, you know, eating matzah for a whole week doesn't... I'm looking forward to next Saturday night when I can go and get a pizza, <laughs> personally. But I also look forward to that night when we remember because it points not only to what was... But will be, but what will be? You see, it's not only about what has happened, but what will happen someday. Because we are not on a circle; we're not going around in circles. We are heading in spirals toward a glorious ending. So we have to be aware of that. Not only that, we should recognize that God was not only delivering the children of Israel from something, slavery, but to something, real freedom, holiness, what it would mean to be the children of God. They were being delivered to that. Sometimes we're so wrapped up in our problems, we just want to be delivered from something. Oh, God, get me out of this. This morning when I woke up, I said, Oh, God, get me out of this. But I'm being delivered to something. And so are all of we. And the children of Israel were being delivered to something. You are on a road that spirals up, further up and further in. We go. So for 4,000 years, we've observed this right in the hope of a final redemption. Not just for us, by the way, but for all humankind. You know, in our Haggadah, tonight and we'll do it, an invitation is made. We hold up a piece of matzah, and we cry out, this is the bread of affliction, which our forefathers ate in the land of Egypt. All who are hungry, let them come and eat. All who are needy, let them come and celebrate the Passover with us. Now we are here. Next year, may we be in the land of Israel. Now we are slaves. Next year, may we be free. We are being delivered to something. All humanity is. So it's not just the commemoration of an ancient event. But we are on a journey toward a greater goal. So in our second portion, it says uh, that when we came into the land, when that redemption, when the redemption of that first Passover was complete, then and only then could we eat of God's true bounty, what he wanted for us. It's reflected in a passage that we read from Joshua today. 
Remember, it said, on the day after the Passover offering, on that very day, they ate of the produce of the country, unleavened bread and parched grain. We might equate that to Matzah, the bread of affliction that represented that Passover lamb. On that same day, when they ate of the produce of the land, the manna ceased. The Israelites got no more manna. That year they ate of the yield of the land of Canaan. You see, it wasn't the same Passover. It was a Passover of another order. They were moving further up and further in. No longer would they have to be dependent on that bread from heaven because God had provided in this world all that they would need. All they had to do was to live obediently before their God, realize the fullness of their potential and all that they would ever need for abundance in this life would be theirs. You see, it's not just remembering. He didn't tell them to remember anything there. He told them, you do this? He said, today I have wiped away the reproach of Egypt. Forget about Egypt. They are gone. Do we ever forget about Egypt? Our own Egypts. See? Let's think about what's, what holds us back from further up and further in. We escape from Egypt, but we never truly leave. Or maybe it's the other way around. We leave, but we never escape. That's what we need to do as we remember what God is doing and continues to do and is doing in greater and greater ways for all of us. If only we will realize it. And we need no longer be slaves to the things that hold us back, to our own Egypts. Whatever they may be. We each one have the opportunity to have that reproach removed. And then you won't have to rely endlessly. You know, there's an image that comes into my mind uh, about manna. As glorious as a thing as it may have been, People want to rely on manna all the time. I want you to think about that for a moment. So I've escaped from my Egypt. But every week I have to get my manna again. No. God said, when I wiped away that reproach, I provided for you everything you need. And the manna ceases. And what we must do is to become mature believers in God who can live on what God has given to us to sustain us without the manna. Further up and further in. This is where we're going. This is where we're headed. Are we on the journey together? It says that that year the Israelites got no more manna, for they ate of the yield of the land of Canaan. Oh God, I pray that we can live on that which you have given us to sustain us in this world. In this world. 
And thirdly, as we go up and up the spiral, I want to take you way beyond this age. We could talk about today's Passover. Where do we stand in the ages of time? You know, we still live in a world that is unredeemed. Just yesterday I read a very disturbing article. Was it yesterday or today? I'm so foggy I can't remember. I don't want to bring us down, but it was a statistic that said that suicide is up 30% in the last 10 years. Across all demographic borders. And one wonders why. Have we so submitted ourselves to a world that cannot be redeemed that we have no alternatives for ourselves but to end it? I don't think so. You see, there's a final Passover coming. There is a greater one to come. And I want to turn your attention, if you have a Bible and you want to follow along with this a little bit, you can in the book of Revelation, chapter 5, that portion which was read for us today. This is a remarkable scene, a vision of heaven, according to the Apostle John. And he says, it says there, he says, I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a book, written inside and on the back, sealed up with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the book and break its seals? You know, we live in a world today where we have decided that we know what is in that book. I want you to think about that book for just a moment. What is that book? You know, as some people read it, they read, and they read uh, the book of Revelation, and they see the seals open, they think it's all about judgment. You know, there are lots of vivid images of things being destroyed, and so on and so forth, and wild and crazy creatures. But that's not what that book is. That book is about the finished will of God. You see, we've decided, I don't know when we decided it, but we decided somewhere along the lines we don't need that book. What we need to do is to write our own book. And we will operate according to it, not according to the word of God. And so we have built a world, baby, and what a world it is. Uh, I find it remarkable. I'm a, I'm a student of history and uh, particularly of uh, Western civilization. You can ask me almost any question about Western civilization. I can give you 45 minutes on the subject. And I know that that book is a book written in blood, in pain, sorrow, and suffering. Uh, yeah, yeah, we've done a few good things. We've discovered how to do this and how to make that and so on and so forth. But why then does 
I don't know, at least half of the world live in desperate poverty. Why is water the most scarce element on the planet? Why can't we give people a living wage? All those things. That, if we knew what we were writing, we would have written it a little bit better, I think. But we haven't. But there is a book that will be followed one day. So, we see John standing, listening to this scene unfold before him. A question is asked, who is worthy to open the book and break its seals? And it says, in verse 3, it says, no one. No one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the book or to look into it. Now, if that's where this story ended, that would be a tragedy. That would be a real tragedy. That no one is worthy. I look at the world today and I wonder who the worthy people are to lead us in this, in this, at this time. Where, are, where is greatness? Where is sacrifice? Where is strength and wisdom? It's hard to find. Is no one able to open the book? No one. Is it any wonder then that in verse 4 he says, I began to weep greatly because no one was found worthy to open the book or look into it. John was crying out for all humanity. All of our tears, all the suffering of the ages. All wrapped up in the tears of this one man because no one is found who is worthy. Who will deliver us from this suffering? I can only imagine the children of Israel before the coming of Moses feeling that very same thing. Who will deliver us? Hundreds of years in slavery. All we have to look forward to is the lash. Even our children are taken from us. We remember that in Passover. They took our children from us and took our sons and drowned them in the rivers. The weeping of Rachel mourning for her children, an inconsolable grief. And here's John, at some point in the future, looking and saying this, and feeling the same pain, that same suffering, which unfortunately the world has endured all these many eons. Why? Because no one is found to open the book. There will be one who will be found. It says in verse 5, And one of the elders said to me, Stop weeping! Stop! For behold, the lion that is from the tribe of Judah, the root of David, and has overcome so as to open the book and its seven seals. 
the Lion of Judah. Now we're getting somewhere. Courage and honor and strength and power. He'll take care of our enemies. He will destroy all of these evil things. That's what we want. You know, so many of us have read through this book, and this is what we have seen, right? God taking his vengeance on evil men, destroying the world, just like he did the Egyptians. He showed Pharaoh who was boss. We sing a song at the sea. The Pharaoh and his horsemen thrown into the sea. And we rejoiced and we danced on the seashore. The lion of the tribe of Judah, he is the one who will take care of all of these things. No need for worry anymore. And it says in verse 6, And I saw between the throne with the four living creatures and the elders, so there were four living, cre- four living creatures on one side, the elder, 24 elders on the other side of God's throne, if you read chapter 4. And it says, <clears throat> And I saw between the throne with the four living creatures and the elders a lamb standing as if it was slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. Not a lion at all. Where's the lion? Where's that thing with the long claws who's going to rip the heart out of every bad person in the whole world? Who's going to take my vengeance for me? Who's going to let me get even with all those bad people? Nothing like that. A little lamb stained with blood. Of course, the imagery between that and Passover is unmistakable, is it not? For is that same lamb that was slain in the doorway of my house, whose blood covered my door, that allowed the angel of death, the angel of God's vengeance, to pass over me. God is not looking to destroy the world. He's looking to set it free. Every soul even the souls of whoever we think our enemies may be. This is the one who will set us free. The one who will sacrifice himself, who will give of himself for the sake of all of mankind, not only Israel, for all humanity. No, not for all humanity, for all of creation. In our arrogance, we think it's about us and only us. But it is not. It's about a whole lot more than just us. 
And so, as we celebrate our Passover Seder, as we celebrate the holiday of unleavened bread, and we remember the sacrifice of that lamb, we remember now that there will come a time when a lamb it will be who will break the seals and fulfill the will of God fully for all of us, for all of creation. And I want you to see how it ends, because it ends just as we will end our Seder tonight. After we've commemorated the sacrifice of the Lamb. I want you to look at this portion. And it says, And he came and he took the book out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each one holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the book and to break its seals. They sang a new song, these angelic beings around the throne of God. And then it says in verse 11, Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne and living creatures and the elders and the numbers of them were myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. So first, the angelic beings surrounding the throne of God. And then a chorus of people, thousands upon thousands, myriads upon myriads, saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And if that were not enough, In verse 13 it says, And every created thing, every created thing which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all things in them, I heard them saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and dominion forever and ever. Do you see what I see, people? It's the new Hallel. Just like we will sing it tonight. A new Hallel of all creation. That's where Passover is going. There will be a Hallel one day which includes all of creation. Not just us. Not just the Jewish people. Not just a few of our friends. But all of creation will sing glory to the Holy One of Israel and to the Lamb who was slain. So as we remember this Lamb, let's remember who we are honoring tonight. The one who will break the seals and fulfill for us the will of God in his fullness. And the story ends by saying, and the four living creatures kept saying, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. It's funny, in the three portions that we read today, each of them ended 
in this way. It says in the first, and the people bowed down low and worshipped. And Joshua, when, when he saw the angel, he bowed down to worship. And in the end, all creation bows down and worships the Lord, the one who was slain. May we continue that worship together today. God bless you.